We are picking up in the Gospels. It's Christmas time, and we're getting to the crucifixion. That's totally opposite of the birth of Jesus, right? <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. We're going to just keep pressing forward with the Gospels. Let me review with you real quick, for those of you that weren't here last week, uh, where we left off. I'm going to pick up in Luke chapter 23, verse 6 says, uh, when Pilate heard this, he asked if the man was a Galilean. Just to reiterate, again, Pilate was put in to charge by Sejanus. Sejanus was put in charge by Tiberius. And Sejanus was just an evil person. Didn't like the Jews, didn't care for them at all, so... Of course, he tried to find somebody of like mind, like spirit, that he could put in charge of the Jewish nation, which would be Pilate. He knew Pilate would think like him, act like him, talk like him. The backstory on Sejanus is this, is that eventually Tiberius realized how evil he was. And the demise of Sejanus came before Jesus was crucified. The demise being that he was actually arrested, convicted, and executed by Rome, Tiberius' men, in one day. It only took one day for him to be arrested, sentenced, and executed. Now Pilate is there, and he is one of Sejanus' men, and Tiberius is looking at everybody that was friends with Sejanus. Everybody that Sejanus put into authority is now being watched. Pilate being one of those. Finding that he was under Herod's jurisdiction because they found out Jesus was from Galilee... Pilate was the jurisdiction, had authority in Jerusalem, but they said he's from Galilee. Let's send him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem during those days. Herod was very glad to see Jesus. For a long time, he had wanted to see him because he had heard about him and was hoping to see some miracle performed by him. Herod had obviously heard about Jesus, was thinking that obviously he was... Related to John the Baptist, that whole backstory there of, of Herod having John the Baptist beheaded, wanted to see Jesus do some incredible magic. Show us some of those miracles. He's actually been looking for and searching for Jesus. So he kept asking him questions, but Jesus did not answer him. Remember, this was the theme of last week, is that Jesus remained quiet through most of that. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. Then Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt, mocked him, dressed him in bright clothing, and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Previously, they had been enemies. Now, let me say this about both Pilate and Herod. Any time that your job, your position, becomes more important than your integrity, you will make decisions based upon 
compromise. Both Pilate and Herod wanted to be in authority over much, mainly being over authority of the Jews. They did not want to lose that position with Tiberius. They did not want to lose that position with Caesar. They wanted to be in charge. So therefore, what do I have to do, whether it's lie, cheat, steal, kill, that's the integrity part, to keep my position? That any time the position becomes more important than your integrity, you're going to compromise. I'll say this. (laughs) Anytime a leader begins to compromise, begins to compromise to keep their position, and people will follow, they become weaker. They become weaker. And you can go back through history, you can go back through the Bible, literally, you can go back through world history and you can see that those in leadership that became weaker, obviously, were destroyed, were exiled. Just a side note right there, because obviously we're going to see what happens in Jerusalem in 70 AD. Now, let me take you, we're going to jump around a lot this morning, just to make sure that we get everything included in this story chronologically. But let's start with Luke 23, verse 13. We'll pick up right where we left off. Pilate called together the chief priest, the leaders, and the people. This would really be the the Sanhedrin of the Jewish nation. And said to them, You have brought me this man as one who misleads the people. But in fact, after examining him in your presence, I have found no grounds to charge this man with those things that you accuse him of. If you go back, the very first time that the Sanhedrin brought Jesus to Pilate, he asked him, what are the charges? And they said, you know, surely you can find something about this man because we want to find him guilty. They literally brought no civil charges, and the reason they didn't bring any civil charges is because their main witness, Judas, had killed himself. So now he's once again asking them, what is the charge that you're bringing him? The only thing that they said that pricked the ears of Pilate was that he, he claims to be a king. A king. Remember that? Pilate heard the word king and he's like, I, I, I can't let anybody have more authority than me. I, if he's really saying that he's the king, a king, then... I've got to do something about this. But that's the only charge they had against Jesus. There was nothing other than that than the reference to him as a king. Verse 15, it says, Neither has Herod. He hasn't found a charge against this man. That's important. Because he sent him back to us. Clearly, he's done nothing to deserve death. Pilate is literally saying right here, for a second time, I can't find anything wrong with this man. You guys haven't brought any charges that are worth anything. We sent him to Herod. 
Herod didn't find anything. He sent him back here. I don't know what we're going to do with this guy. But at the same time, Pilate's trying to make everybody happy. If, if he doesn't kill Jesus, if he doesn't arrest Jesus, sentence him to death, then the whole Sanhedrin and all the authority, the Jewish authority, is going to be upset. If he does kill Jesus, then the whole group of Jesus followers are going to be upset. He cannot win. Pilate has his hands tied behind his back. Verse 16 says, Therefore, I will have him whipped and then release him. In other words, I'm not going to kill him, but I'll mess him up really good for you. I'll take my guys and we'll we'll give him a nice beating, but then we're going to set him free. Now jump to John 18, verse 39. It says, You have a custom. This is Pilate talking to the Jews. You have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at the Passover. We're obviously Friday morning of the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Let's just, let, let me just put this in your head. I'm just going to say this directly. Let me tell you about the man that you want to release. Do you want to release the king of the Jews? It was their Jewish custom to release one prisoner every Passover. Now jump to Mark chapter 15, verse 6. It says, at the festival, Pilate used to release for the people a prisoner whom they requested. There was one named Barabbas, who was in prison with rebels who had committed murder during the rebellion. (laughs) Barabbas is in jail not only because he committed murder, but because he was part of a rebellion against the Roman Empire. In other words, the charge against Barabbas was sedition against Rome. The same thing that the Sanhedrin said to Herod and Pilate, he wants to be a king, they charged him with sedition against Rome. Now Barabbas has the exact same charge sedition against Rome. You realize what the sedition was. Conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against authority of a state or a monarch. Barabbas was a part of this rebellion. It says the crowd came up to ask Pilate to do for them as was his custom. Pilate answered them, Do you want me to release the king of the Jews for you? For he knew it was because of envy that the chief priest had handed him over. He knew it was because of envy. The chief priest, the highest ranking person in the Jewish Sanhedrin, he's like, it's because of envy that you hand him over to me. You're jealous because he's the leader. And you want leadership. 
this whole conflict thing. This is the whole reason that you're causing this to happen. Jump to Matthew, Matthew 27, verse 19. It says, while he was sitting on the judge's bench, his wife sent word to him. <laughs> He's at work. He's at the judge's bench. And his wife sends word to him. She's not mentioned by name. Pilate's wife is not mentioned by name. She calls for him. He's at work. It says, obviously he went to his wife, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for today I have suffered terribly in a dream because of him. Pilate's wife calls for him. He's at work. He goes to his wife and she says, one, she called Jesus righteous. I've had this dream. Don't touch the man. Because he's righteous. He's not guilty. He hasn't done anything. Do you think Pilate's wife had any authority? You better believe she did. Why else would he get up from the judge's bench and go directly to her? He actually listened to his wife as we have heard and talked about over the last couple of weeks. It says this, The chief priests and the elders, however, persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to execute Jesus. The crowds asking for Barabbas, which would leave Jesus there to be crucified. Pilate's like, he's listening to his wife, yet he's listening to the crowd. He's torn between the two. The governor asked him, which of the two do you want me to release for you? Pilate goes to the people and he says, of these two, Jesus or Barabbas, which one of these do you want, do you want me to let go? Barabbas, they answered. Give us Barabbas. Now, here, here's some great insight. If you break the name Barabbas down, it would be Bar Abba. Hmm. What is Abba? Father. Son of the Father. Hmm. And if you go to some old manuscripts, translations of Matthew, they actually call Barabbas by his full name. Guess what his full name is? Jesus Barabbas. Jesus, son of the Father. Give us Barabbas, Jesus, son of the Father. You go, wow, what a coincidence. Really? Do you believe that that's coincidence? Or do you believe that God has this 66 books that just comes together and it absolutely makes sense because he's God? 
give us Barabbas, Jesus the Son of the Father. I take you to Luke 23, verse 18. says, then they all cried out together, take this man away. Take Jesus away. Release Barabbas. We want Barabbas. He had been thrown into prison for a rebellion that had taken place in the city and for murder. Barabbas had been convicted of murder And Jesus had been said that he was innocent by Pilate already twice and Herod once. Jesus was absolutely innocent. Barabbas, obviously a part of a rebellion, and convicted of murder. And you say, well, that's not fair. (laughs) That's the line the kids drop on you, mom and dad. That's not fair. Watch this. This this is what Jesus did. Jesus unfairly died for the unfair. There's nothing fair in this world. If your kids drop that on you, just shake your head and say, nothing's fair. Because that is absolutely the truth. There is nothing fair in this world. And this is exactly why Jesus died unfairly, is so that he could die for the unfair. I take you to John 19.1. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. Hmm. Oh, let me do this. If you guys want Jesus, I'm just... I'll just... Uh, I'll just beat him up a little bit, and hopefully that'll be enough. To actually flog, or in some translations it says to scourge, they take this whip, and this whip has, uh, have you guys ever like been to a circus or a rodeo where the, the guy manages the whip? Or have you ever given a whip to a kid and watched them like, beat themselves with it? <laughs> because they don't know how to use a whip. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, you have to, there's an art to using a whip. There's an art to actually making it snap. And these whips that they had actually had pieces of bones and glass on the end of the cords. So when they did damage, they made sure that they tore the flesh. Like these were, professional scourgers. When they brought it back, it didn't dig into their own back, but it made sure that it tore the flesh of those that they were scourging. This is what Pilate had done to Jesus. Let me read to you real quick what Eusebius says in the Ecclesiastical History Book. For those standing around were struck with amazement at seeing them lacerated with scourges to their very blood and arteries. So that now the flesh concealed in the very inmost parts of the body and bowels themselves were exposed to view. They ripped his flesh off. 
These blows would have also been directed toward the face. Fulfilling Isaiah 52.14, this is what Eusebius is saying. So his appearance was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. To fulfill prophecy in the Old Testament of Isaiah, Jesus was scourged more than any other man. So much that he became unrecognizable. That his flesh was torn from his body. Pilate says, that'll be enough. If we do this, if we do this, we won't have to kill him. I'll be clean. My hands will be free. This should be enough. Says the soldiers then, verse 2, the soldiers then also twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and clothed him in a purple robe. Purple symbolizing royalty and mocking him as the king of Jews. Imagine if you're... If your flesh is torn off and it's just blood and they and you know you you put cloth on it. You know what I'm talking about. Where that cloth just adheres and begins to clot with the blood. This is what they did. And they kept coming up to him and saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Is this who you claim to be, the king of the Jews? Look at you now. And they were slapping his face. Remember just a few weeks ago where we said if you punched a dude, it was only so many denarii. But if you open hand slapped somebody in the face, it was considered an insult. And it was a whole year's wages. This is what they were doing to my Savior. They literally had their, his blood on their hands. It says, Pilate went outside again and said to them, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know I've, I've found no grounds for charging him. This is the third time Pilate said, Mm-mm. It's the third time. I... This man's innocent. It says, Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Here's the man. Now, in some of your translations, New American Standard, it says, Behold the man. Here's, here's Pilate. He wants to keep his job. He wants to make everybody happy just so he can keep his job. How do I compromise? And yet his wife comes and says, this man's innocent. At, at some point, he's got to think, he really is innocent. He's, he's got to believe that Jesus is innocent. In fact, I would think that he almost believes believes 
that he might be the Messiah. Because of everything that he's done, everything that he's said, yet he's not willing to give up his position. He's willing to compromise whatever Jesus has to offer just to keep his position. So the question I ask you is, when he says, behold the man, how did he say it? How did he say it? Anyone? Was it with conviction? Hold the man. Hit this one right down the middle. Behold the man. That's what you think. Hmm. Anybody else? Behold the man? Is he the man? Think about it. Look, this isn't just a book we're reading. This is this has actually happened. Think about it. Process it. How did Pilate say, "Behold the man"? Stand back. It says when the chief priests and the temple servants saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! And Pilate responded, Take him and crucify him yourselves. Since I have no grounds for charging him. We have a law, the Jews replied to him, and according to that law, he ought to die because he made himself the Son of God. (laughs) Pilate kind of freaked out at this point because again, In his head, he's hearing his wife. He's righteous. Don't have anything to do with him. And at the same time, they're yelling at him, crucify him, crucify him. When Pilate heard this statement, he was more afraid than ever. The fear. (laughs) How do I get out of this one, he's thinking. How, How do I get out of this? says he went back into the headquarters and he asked Jesus where are you from where'd you come from who are you it wasn't like where are you from it was literally 
he was amazed at what was going on and he knew Jesus was from some different place. The inflection right there. He was absolutely fascinated with Jesus' life. But Jesus did not give him an answer. (laughs) He's bleeding. And he's taking it. And Pilate just wants to know. So Pilate said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? (laughs) Pilate thinks he's in charge, right? Pilate doesn't even realize that from, watch this, eternity past. What's eternity past? It's like forever from the beginning. That God... Jesus, the Son of God, and the Holy Spirit had decided that this day was going to come at this very hour. And Pilate thinks that he has the authority to stop it or to make it happen. Let me tell you something. Pilate didn't have the authority because they had already planned it eternity past. But Pilate still thinks that he is an authority. (laughs) Pilate... Pilate's looking at Jesus, and he's asking him this question. Don't you know that I can let you go, or that I can crucify you? And Jesus is standing there all bloody and beaten, and he prefers to go to the cross and be crucified, because that's the plan from eternity past. And Jesus says, you would have no authority over me at all. If it hadn't been given you from above. My God has placed you into an authority pilot. And he's made all this happen. Just as we had planned. And then he follows up. This is why the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Did God just hand over... Jesus to Pilate? No, absolutely no. We know that that can't be the case because God doesn't sin. But what he's referring to here, he's referring to Caiaphas, the high priest. Caiaphas is the one that handed him over to Pilate. Caiaphas is the high priest that was put in charge by the Romans. So literally, Jesus is saying right here, it's not only Caiaphas, the high priest, and the Jews, but it's also the Roman government that is the sinner. Verse 13, verse 12, it says, From that moment on, Pilate kept trying to release him. But the Jews shouted, If you release this man, you're not Caesar's friend, and anyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. Oh, remember what happened to Sejanus? It only took one day to be arrested, sentenced, and executed. Pilate's thinking, ah, they just dropped Caesar's name. There's no way I can let this guy go. Because they'll go back and report it. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside, sat down on the judge's seat in a place called the Stone Pavement, but in Aramaic, Gabbatha. It was the preparation day for the Passover. It was Friday, and they were getting ready to do the... the Hagigah sacrifice. 
It was preparation day. Now watch this. My translation here is wrong. It says, and it was about noon. It can't be about noon. Because if you go back to Mark chapter 15, verse 25, it says, now it was nine in the morning when they crucified him. My translation's wrong. If they crucified Jesus at 9 a.m. in the morning, according to Mark, let's look at it in a different translation. In the New American Standard, in the New American Standard, in Mark chapter 15, verse 25, it says, now it was the third hour. The third hour. If you go based upon Jewish time, which was sunrise to sunset, the Jewish day was based upon a six o'clock to six o'clock day. It was the third hour from 6 a.m., from 3 a.m., it had to have been like the third, the third hour. It was 6 a.m. in the morning. 6 a.m. in the morning. If you go back to uh, Matthew right there, if you go on Roman time, which would be 12 to 12, the sixth hour would have been 6 a.m. The Mark passage, the third hour would have been 9 a.m. when it said that he was crucified. That's based upon Jewish time. In the Matthew passage, it's talking about Roman time. My translation's wrong. It's 6 a.m. on Friday. It was preparation day for the Passover, and it was about noon. Then he told the Jews, here's your king. They shouted, take him away. Take him away. Crucify him. Pilate said to them, should I crucify your king? Setting them up. Should I crucify your king? And here's their response. We have no king but Caesar. <laughs> what did they just say? The Jews just said right there, we have no king but Caesar. Uh, wrong answer. They just right there, you know what they just did? They just blasphemed God. The same thing that they're trying to convict Jesus of, they just blew it themselves. We have no king but Caesar. You're going to bow down to Caesar rather than God? Wrong answer. Are you kidding me? You're going to compromise your integrity that much. The Jews are going to recognize Caesar as their sovereign leader? <laughs> Pilate. The Jews just sit there and said, we have no king but Caesar. And Pilate went, <laughs> Pilate, inside he's just leaping for joy. He's leaping for joy. Because guess what just happened? There's Roman officials there, and they go back and report everything to Caesar. And Pilate just got the Jews to say, Caesar's our king. Pilate got the Jews to say, Caesar's our king. 
Pilate just built his resume. He just won. He won with Caesar. Ha! And guess what? He's totally clean in this situation. Not only does he win with Caesar, but they're the ones that are calling, the Jewish leaders are calling for Jesus' crucifixion. I, I called him innocent. I'm washed my hands. I gave you the option. You chose Jesus over Barabbas. Pilate is coming out clean in this thing. In the last verse. Then he handed him over to be crucified. Pilate washed his hands and hands him over to be crucified. I'm stopping. Stopping right there. Pilate knows. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows this man's righteous. He knows he's innocent. Yet he's willing to compromise based upon what he knows versus what he wants. Father, I pray that um, I pray that your word would continue to uh, unpack for all of us in this room right here and that we understand the importance of our own integrity just as it was conveyed here by Pilate and Herod the Sanhedrin that You would not lead us into compromise, but we could be faithful to you, that we can trust you, that we can believe your word, and believe that you're going to provide for us and take care of us no matter what hand we're dealt. No matter what we're dealt. I trust you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey. Uh